Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. I got a six-year-old in my calculus class in college and it's going to take my job. What is this nonsense? Comic Sans? Butler had never seen this film and I got the indication that he hated it. She's like, you pussy, get back in the game. He rebels against maturity by taking a job at a movie theater. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's me. At a video store. Well, this is now owned by Disney, so you're going to see a remake <laughs> at some point. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're at Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of over 175 episodes for your listening pleasure. What's up? Nothing. Just coming back after taking a little break. Not that the viewers noticed. Oh, well, or listeners. feel free. Feel free to let everyone know what you're doing. They want to know Universal, about your life. I went to Universal Orlando Studios uh, and uh, checked out Halloween Horror Nights. Had some butterbeers. Then had some more butterbeer. Rode some rides. Rest in peace, Robbie Coltrane. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to put the uh, bum me out there. What are we stop. doing today? Uh, we are doing the 1996 film, Kids in the Hall, Brain Candy. Now we're going to just call it Brain Candy. I don't know why candy. it's got the... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's stupid. It's got like a tagline now. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like that title. I, I, I like Brain Candy was fine. Brain it's like they need to Indiana Jones it up. <laughs> uh, we'll never call that movie that. Uh, all right, so let's get into it. Uh, brain candy. A pharmaceutical scientist creates a pill that makes people remember their happiest memory. And although it's successful, it has unfortunate side effects. That is it for the synopsis. Nice. Great synopsis. I mean, that's pretty much what it's about. So. Very much on par, on par with that. <laughs> um, I don't know if a lot of people, I mean, I assume, I always assume people know uh, kids in the hall. But I assume those, anybody my age or older would know. Right. Kids in the hall is a comedy sketch troupe that is, uh, five guys. Uh, and they, they were in the early nineties and it, it, it spanned most of the, they did a lot. They, they spanned maybe into the 2000. No, did they? Cause they broke up and they came back together cause they want to, they go on tour a bunch of times. So I think they go back and forth. Right. And they actually, they had a new, uh, season or a different season or, or whatever on Amazon prime on prime video, uh, in turn that came out last year, though, no, this year it came out this, this year, year, yeah. which I saw a couple episodes. So it was, I was, it was pretty funny. I, I'm a kids in the hall fan. Uh, I didn't, I never watched their show when it was out, out, but I kind of caught it you know, later on, like maybe in the late nineties or early two thousands. So, right. Um, you know, so I'm a fan. So for those who don't know, kid, this is mainly a, a sketch comedy troupe. I recommend it if you're into it. If not, oh, well. So Brain Candy has a runtime of 89 minutes. It's a rated R production budget of $8 million. It came out, on a, it only came out on a limited release. Uh, it came out on April 12th, 1996, which was a Friday. It's opening weekend. It did 770,000 <laughs> dollars domestic <laughs> 2.6. 
And worldwide, it was also the same 2.6. Domestic is actually U.S. and Canada. The Kids in the Hall, if I didn't say it before, is a Canadian-based sketch troupe. So this was shot in Canada, and their sketch comedy is a lot of Canadian humor in some respects. But it, mm-hmm. it, it you know, trenches over it. Um, production company is Lakeshore Entertainment, which I believe is still is now Paramount Pictures. Uh, distributed by Paramount Pictures. It was directed by... Oh, excuse me. I said it came out on the 12th of April. It went up against, in a wide release, James and the Giant Peach, Fear... Flirting with Disaster. I don't know if you've seen you've seen those films, Butler, right? But what's Fear? I know Flirting with Disaster. Fear is the Mark Wahlberg, uh, Reese Witherspoon. Mark Wahlberg is stalking Reese oh, Witherspoon. Yep, yep. It's got that. It's got that um, infamous or famous, if you will, image of him screaming at the, the father, William Peterson, in the eye hole camera. Uh, yeah, uh, like it's like the uh, the the door, the lookout of the little door. Mm-hmm. I actually just saw that more or less recently. Mm. That was when that was before Mark Wahlberg became who Mark Wahlberg is now. I guess that was in the beginning. That was still Marky Mark time. I uh, was. I don't know. I don't think he was credited as Marky Mark in Fear, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you also had a limited release that week of Getting Away with Murder and Jane Eyre. The week after the nineteenth of April, in a wide release, you had Celtic Pride, The Substitute, and Mrs. Winterborn, and a limited release Mystery Science Theater three thousand, the movie, which I have seen. I also saw the Celtic Pride and the Substitute, if anyone cares. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> the week before April 5th, you had a wide release of Primal Fear, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate, Faithful, and Fargo, and then a limited release of The Last Supper. So, uh, and Fargo's a fantastic film. So, um, you say that I'd, was the wide release of Fargo or a limited release of Fargo? Wide. Okay. Wide. Now, I mean, I didn't realize that Fargo came out in April, like early. Uh, that year, but I mean, it still did well at the awards. So, mm. so I like, but I like Fargo quite a bit. And Primal Fear is the movie that kind of catapulted uh, Edward Norton. Do you remember Primal Fear with Richard Gere? I do know. Yeah, okay, I thought yeah. American History X was what really catapulted him. Uh, no, I mean this one. Primal Fear was when when he when he came out in Primal Fear it was just like who is oh, this guy? You're right. You're right. It was Primal Fear first. Yeah. I mean American History X is decent but that that's got a, a history of just kind of like the behind the scenes stuff yeah and the behind the scenes stuff is almost yeah. more famous this is this movie is directed by kelly macon who did mickey blue eyes national lampoon senior trip and he uh, directed a lot of the tv episodes for the kids in the hall <laughs> uh written by norm hiscock bruce mccullough kevin mcdonald mark mckinney and scott thompson hiscock has done uh some tv episodes of king of the hill and parks and recreation uh, McCullough, who uh, is also a member of the Kids in Hall troupe, he's written Comeback Season and Dog Park. I believe he directed those as well. McDonald's written TV show, uh, excuse me, written episodes of The Martin Short Show, probably jokes more likely, uh, the TV show Carpoolers. McKinney has written for TV for the movie, uh, excuse me, for the show Less Than Kind. And Scott Thompson has written the movie Uncle Saddam, or not Uncle Saddam, yeah, Saddam, Uncle Saddam. Excuse me. Cinematography was David A. Macon, who has done Touch of Pink and some TV episodes of Schitt's Creek. Composer was Craig Northey, who's done uh, Hiccups and Tall Boys, both TV TV shows. Edited by Christopher Cooper, who has done uh, The Event and a TV TV show Lex. And then this is produced by Lauren Michaels, uh, who is uh, obviously a famous producer, the producer of Saturday Night Live. I think he's retiring after this year, maybe next year. Uh, there's like a lot of rumors that he wants to retire after the 50th. Yeah. Yeah. 
So this film, obviously, so basically the cast of this film is all the kids in the hall. And that is Dave Foley, Bruce McCullough, Dick, Kevin McDonald, Mark McKinney, and Scott Thompson. Those are the kids in the hall. They play multiple roles and multiple characters in this movie. <laughs> I'm not going to list them all out. So they're just in this. Um, you do get, you get two cameos. One that I don't believe you see in this, in, unless you see the edited the cut scene, which is Dream Garofalo's in this, but she's not in the movie itself, unless you kind of see it real quick. Uh, she had lines, they cut it out. Oh, really? And, yeah, I didn't yeah. see that. And then Brendan Fraser is in this. I saw that. Because <laughs> he plays one of the people in the placebo group, which is funny. So, anyways, so Dave Foley is from the TV show News Radio. He's also he's a voice in a lot of Pixar films, but his first one was A Bug's Life, and he was in Sky High. Bruce McCullough's in Dick, Stealing Harvard, and Super Troopers 2. Kevin McDonald's been in Sky High as well. He's also a voice in Lilo and Stitch, and he's in Galaxy Quest. He plays the guy at the end who is running the, co- the convention. Mm-hmm. Mark McKinney is in the TV show Superstore, which I've been trying to get you to watch because I think it's you're very relatable to working right. in working for the public. Yeah. He's also in Superstar and Spice <laughs> World. And Scott Thompson is in The Pacifier and Run, Ronnie, Run. Uh, so that is, those are the kids in the hall. And that is the facts of the film. And that's it. That's all I got. So, <laughs> uh, did you... See, uh, what's your relationship to this film? Uh, I've never seen this film. I knew of it. I knew they had a film called Brain Candy. But I mean, just like you, I kind of found Kids in the Hall in the late 90s when they were just rerun on Comedy Central Mm -hmm. ad nauseum. So I would come home from school, Comedy Central be on, and I would just watch a bunch of Kids in the Hall episodes, Mm -hmm. um, which I I always did like Kids in the Hall. They were kind of like you said, they were their comedy translated over, but they were very much like a Canadian kind of Saturday Night Live. Like it was a little more bizarre. It's not quite like Stella. Like they're like the, that group, the comedy but it's styling, not comedy style. Yeah. It's like a little bit in between, like what you think of Saturday night live and what Stella kind of is. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, a, an in between kind of comedy, I think. Right. And this, this, the kids in the home comedy show, the troupe was sponsored by, was sponsored, was produced by Lorne Michaels. So right. he did, I guess you could say either discovered them or helped them get their platform, um, which makes sense why I, pr- why I produced the movie. And McKinney, I think, was on one season of Saturday Night Live uh, a while back, long time ago. That explains why his uh, his main character, Don, is basically trying to do a uh, Lorne Michaels impression. <laughs> yeah, which he does a good job. <laughs> he does. Uh, so, yeah, so I saw this film in the theaters. I think I lo- I remember loving it. I, I I really liked the movie. And second watch, this is not this is more this is not my second watch. This is probably well, you know what? It might be my second watch straight through, but not but I've seen bits and pieces of it obviously over over the years. Gotcha. Um I still think it's funny. I still I still, <laughs> I, still I still laughed. I don't know how you thought of it. What what was your overall um thoughts on the movie? I thought it was good. There were a couple of parts that I kind of like slowed down and kind of bored me. Um okay. cuz I'm used to their skits their skits are usually rather short. So they usually like a, it's a mile a minute on their kind of TV show. So I was kind of hoping it for it to be a little bit more skit based. Um, but there were definitely moments and there are definitely a lot of lines that I really liked in the film, but oh, I found myself those, yeah. not laughing as much as I would have during like a regular, like when they relaunch kids in the hall, the pilot episode of the relaunch, I was like laughing all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was still good. I liked that. They, I love that they still played all the characters just like they do in the show. Like they did not cast like anybody else. They played every character. Well, that's what I think. That's what everyone expects. I right. think you, you, you expect that you just, you expect that you expect the kids in the hall to be everywhere, which they should be. I mean, that's what you want. So I'm it's glad. Movie, I, yeah. I, agreed. I'm glad that that happened as well. But something I didn't know 
uh, then that I knew now was that they were in the process of breaking up, taking a hiatus. Like they, I didn't during the film, which I didn't realize but then it makes sense because so Dave Foley was on his way out. He was leaving while they were shooting this to go actually go do news radio. But that's also why he's not in the, he's not listed as a writer because he wasn't involved. Right. But he, he's not in it as much. You know what I mean? Like they pepper him throughout, but he doesn't really have as many meaning, not meaningful, but well, bigger roles. He's basically uh, just Don's assistant. That's basically that's it. it. Yeah. yeah. I think I remember thinking that he wasn't in it that much back in the day, but I didn't realize that it was kind of like in the middle of them kind of like moving off to do side projects and, and whatnot. Yeah. I was wondering about that too. Cause I was like, Dave Foley is only one guy. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I thought that was a little weird. Cause usually he's in a, a decent amount of stuff. Right. So the note I have is that he had a bigger role in the writing of the script and the, and the film and, and, and he had more stuff that he was doing, but he quit the troupe in the middle of writing the, uh, in the middle of writing the script. So they just went, uh, hey, screw it. Partly because he, I guess he was dissatisfied with the script and there was internal feuds, which you're going to get because you, you, you work together for so long, you're going to start fighting. Right. As I'm sure you can attest. What? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, but he had to stay in the film because it was contractually obligated to. So he did at least honor that. Um, and then I guess they were denied, they denied that for forever. And then I guess in 2004, when in an interview with the Onion AV Club, he admits that, uh, that he, he basically admits that, yeah, that, that's what happened. Uh, so, so, I mean, at least they admitted it. Uh, but I didn't know that back then. Mm. And I just was like, okay. So uh, did, I get, uh, did you like the format, the vignette format? I mean, there is still a through line. There is still a story arc uh, in terms of the main story, in terms of the, uh, uh, Gleemanex and, and, and the drug that they make. Did you, but did you like the vignette format? Um, I would have preferred more vignette. Okay. I almost thought it was too, uh, adhered too strongly to the, the through line. I was really hoping for more of like, Hey, it's a kids in the hall sketch, but we're kind of focused on Gleemanex and like, we're just going to keep going like, Hey, he's this person taking Gleemanex and here's that. And just do skits based around that. So I almost thought it should be more vignette. Um, which is weird because usually I would be just stick to the story guys. But when kids in the hall are involved, I would have preferred like, Hey, this is just a big budget version of our sketch show, our sketch show. So Mm -hmm. I was a little more disappointed in the through line taking focus because I feel like they're better at short bursts of comedy than they are stretching it into the long form. I feel like maybe that's why at some points I kind of like a little bored with the movie. Really? So what parts, what, what, what parts kind of like dragged you down a little then? Start there. Um, there's a lot of the stuff where he's uh by he i mean uh when chris cooper um is not the actor chris cooper he's he's the inventor of gleaminex and he's just being like brought through the party and being told you can get this chris and that and when chris was starting to like become bigger than life i didn't think th- those jokes landed like i expected when they did three months later and he was like can i get a little more cap I, my cap he's cold and stuff like that or when he wakes up with the two women in bed I was just kind of like, I've seen that before and I've seen that done better and funnier. Uh, so I, I felt like some of that stuff kind of dragged me down. The Amy subplot, I wasn't a huge fan of like her pining over Chris and can't get to Chris. Cause it wasn't oh, right, really played right. for laughs other than the fact that or I'm sorry, not Amy, Alice. Like it, she was more just like, 
it was more played for laugh because it's a dude in the the lady suit, I guess. Well, there was no the, joke in there. Well, the, I think the joke is the trope. Oh, it's definitely the that, trope. That's, yeah, that's the joke. Just kind of like she's, um, she's the I, girl pining for him that he right, doesn't realize right in right. front of him. And I've seen that style of character that Bruce McCullough, who's playing Alice, has has played in the show. Oh, you know, sure. They, so I think that's also part of it as well. I think you you had a lot of people, you had a lot of re, re, returning characters from their sketch comedy days, the TV series. Right. That are peppered in the, the cops that discover. I the, like the cops. <laughs> that discover the, um, the bathhouse full of men. Uh, you know, that, that. <laughs> we were going to arrest them, but we thought traipsing, traipsing them through the streets naked was a uh, punishment enough. <laughs> were the handcuffs <laughs> necessary? Uh, those were his those ideas. Ma'am, <laughs> if I, I can just say. I don't know why he would go cheating on there's a fine piece of ass waiting for him at home. Respectfully, yeah. ma'am. <laughs> when, uh, when he, when they go into the, when he goes to go to the bathroom and all the guys are running out and they're like, he's holding the gun. And then the, the one guy stops and like, we always get our man. Yeah, man. We all, everyone's like, <laughs> like 50 people just ran past them. Yeah. That was funny. But like those cops are from the series. Uh, and you saw some small side characters like the dude in the towel that, that was in the, the music video. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just stuff like that. So I think that a lot, they were trying to put a lot of characters from the show in there. So like, just back to Alice, I think that's, part of that i think um but again i think the joke is the trope is just kind of like that the the girl he always works so close with but you know he that was the one he should stay he should be with that kind sure. of thing but mm-hmm. but honestly you know that's not that's not the movie so that character i wasn't really expecting a much from that character i understand what you're saying that that they're they're playing that trope but you want more you want more laughs there, I guess. Yeah, just like in between, I'm just kind of like, all right, can we get to more laughs? Can we do mm-hmm. more Don stuff? Because like mm-hmm. Don's always good, which Don is like a repeating character as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they always call him Don, but he's always in that same room and he's always got Foley with him. So, yeah. So there were there were some parts like I like those parts. I just the uh, regular story through line. A lot of it just kind of went, all right, can we get to the comedy part of it? Let's, let's okay. go. <laughs> <laughs> but there were like when they got to the comedy, it landed. It was awesome. Yeah. What was, I guess, I don't want to say, I mean, we'll, we're, we're going to start doing lines anyways, but <laughs> what was the, I guess, what's the funniest thing in the movie for you? How about that? Uh, exactly. I mean, exactly. I really like Scott Thompson as the gay dad. Yeah. Scott, I like Scott oh, Thompson. Scott great. Thompson's probably one of the best people on the, of the group, mm-hmm. but the gay dad is just like when he first appears and he's totally just jerking off while the wife's gone to a gay porn while those kids are downstairs <laughs> and the wife come home. So where's your father? He's upstairs masturbating to gay porn again. <laughs> and yeah, then he comes like down, again, he yeah. wets his hair and he's like, Oh, I was just in the shower doing shower stuff. Right kids. Well, especially when he cut, when they, he repeats that, which is funnier when the cops bring it home. And I was like, and I went to the bathroom and he, and I said, no, no, no. And he's telling all the neighbors while cupping his own ball. And then he's trying this, to tell his therapist. These, yeah. these queers. I know. And he's trying to tell his therapist and he's like, um, and then I, 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 but you held him closer. Well, I didn't want him to fall down. His pants were around his ankles. Why? <laughs> Why would people think I would like that? Because you are one of them. I know it. You, your family knows it. Dogs know it. Yeah. Yeah. He's, it's, he's really good in that scene. And the, everything around that scene. I think that around that character is funny. I even like my, one of my favorite parts of the movie is when, uh, they go into, um, the happy memories. No, 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 no. Uh, when, when, 
the doctor goes into the the darkened hallway and all the guys come running out again. Oh, like they're in the, he comes out and, for the last he, time. and he's the last one coming out. And he's all dressed. He's all dressed in uh, spandex or he's dressed in like, and, it, and he's like really yeah. high shorts. And he's like, it's all yours. It's all like yours. He's all confident. Yeah. I liked that. That was one of my favorite moments. I thought that was funny. I think the biggest <laughs> laugh for me came from his second happy flashback. Oh, where they're yes. like, they're these men. They're in the bathhouse. Now go over there and fuck them while yeah. we jerk off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he gets over the mound and he's just he's just got his entire back of his pants is just gone, yeah. exposing his ass. And he his, runs. His happy memory within his there happy goes memory. That soldier. Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? Goes my hero. There goes. Yeah, something like that. Because it's like a daydream inside that happiest memory. So yeah, he's re- yeah, yeah. I was like, that's that, that was awesome. Yeah. That's that's pretty funny. I like when uh, Don's uh, when they beat penicillin. He's like, I, I need the room. I understand you. And he's like, We beat penicillin. penicillin. <laughs> can you leave the room? My empire is crumbling. Okay, you can come back in now. <laughs> Have some stummies. Oh, I know. Fuck stummies. I'm sorry. Fuck stummies. Fuck stummies? <laughs> no, I will not fuck stummies. stummies. Get your finger out of my face. No. And then he's got the finger and a huge brace later on. It's like that metal contraption. Yeah. I, t- I always remember at the end of the movie when he spits the pill into Don's mouth. Because for one, one thing, I'm like, did they really catapult a pill into his mouth. mouth in the back of his throat. <laughs> and number two, that's disgusting. That they, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I always remember that, but there was a, I guess they filmed two endings in this movie. One with this one, I guess the one that's is now that they have, which is, which is more upbeat, I guess, if you can say, because they're still doing the drugs, but I guess there's an alternate version where Dave Foley plays uh, this crazed activist who leaves this militant movement against Gleeman X and the, <laughs> the Dr. Cooper, uh, it, he's an, I guess he just can't cope with every, can't cope with all everything that's happening. He takes the drug himself and he, he goes into a coma and then, but they didn't use it. So that was the initial, that was one of the other endings that they shot. I mean, either one works. I could care, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It didn't really matter if things worked or not worked. I mean, right. I think the ending is just kind of like, Hey, we got to get it over with to begin with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, either, either one works. The, How you, you feeling? Nine four four seven. I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> when she has her memory and, uh, and, and it's her kid, the kid her, with her the balloons. Son, her son comes oh, over. No, oh, the happy come, memory. The, the happy memory is awesome. Like, yeah. And he's like, so, uh, so dad's dead. dead. Hey, is that eggnog? <laughs> <laughs> All right, kids, let's go. Yeah. Oh, that was wonderful. Yeah, no. <laughs> Here's a gift. It's a harmonica. Oh, I wonder what this could be. It's a harmonica. <laughs> uh, this movie was nominated for uh, the most painfully unfunny comedy in 1996 Stinkers movie, bad, bad, bad movie awards, which I'm sorry, but like, it's not unfunny. It's that I, 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 I take, I take umbrage with that nomination. Um, I also take umbrage with the fact that I lost a biodome. <laughs> Ugh, biodome. I actually don't mind biodome. I mean, I probably should watch it again, but I was like, uh, yeah, it's fine. The least likes biodome. I, I hate biodome, but I'm not a big Pauly Shore guy. Pauly Shore's best film is Son-in-Law. Yes. It's only really good. Film. Oh no, I uh, agreed. It's one. It, well, <laughs> Encino Man's good. 
Yeah, uh, that's. I don't so, know if that's his film. He's just in it. But it's still it's it's but him. It, that's it's, the first. That's he's the first got a lot, instance yeah. of the weasel. I mean, come on here. That is true. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's son-in-law. It's Encino Man, son-in-law, and then pff, that's pretty much it. Uh, but hey, he, he got a good career out of it. I don't know why we got on the Polish show, but anyways, because um, this was voted worst comedy over Biodome. <laughs> no, Biodome was was voted worst. It lost to Biodome. Oh, it lost the, to Biodome. Right, oh, so right. it kind of won to Bi- won over. Okay, I guess I don't, I don't like the nomination. I think that, <laughs> I, you know how they say like it's just an honor to be nominated. It's not even an honor to be nominated for a stinker. Oh, not for those awards, absolutely. <laughs> even though they kind of screwed themselves out of a wider theatrical release, which we'll get into, um, I don't think this would have done well even if it went wider. We'll get I feel into like it, it would have just lost money. Well, so they have a character named Cancer Boy. Oh, yeah. And Cancer Boy sucks. First of all, I watch him going, Cancer Boy, really? This isn't funny. And this is pretty, this is pretty bottom of the barrel comedy. I did not like Cancer Boy even before I read this note. But uh, I guess what happened was they screened the movie and a Paramount executive had someone, a loved one suffering from cancer. So they were like, cut him out. And they said no. And refused to cut Cancer Boy from the movie, which would have been an easy cut. And so they took revenge on them by giving the film a theatrical release with almost no advertising. So, I mean, the kids looking back on it admit Cancer Boy was what killed the film. I guess David Foley and Kevin McDonald feel like they should have just relented and cut the scene. But Scott Thompson, Bruce McCullough and Mark McKinney think it was a great artistic artistically. Cancer Boy is a biting satire of celebrities who exploit sick children for publicity. I really didn't get that out of Cancer Boy. I felt like Cancer Boy was just kind of just really not funny. Well, the fact that he's at the party is probably what they're referencing. And the fact that he has a, he has a new album and he's, he's nominated for an, for a music whistle while you, what is it? Whistle while you, whistle while you're low. Um, right. The, the fact that he, that I think that's what they're referencing, but I'm going to tell you right now, I laughed at Cancer Boy 30 years ago when I watched this because I, I, I thought it was funny. But I mean, now I can understand that other side, but it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers maybe you right now. I, oh, I was fine with it. The thing is, like, I don't think I would even thought that was funny back then. I just I, didn't I think left. I'm I'm an asshole, but I left. I, I'm an asshole, too. That's why I like I hate when people go like, oh, it was just inappropriate and stuff. I just like if he was funnier, I wouldn't have thought he was inappropriate. I just didn't think it was funny. Mm-hmm. So like when they introduced him and he was doing the weird affected voice, I was like, why is cancer giving you a. Weird Stephen Hawking voice. I was mm-hmm. like, nah, I don't mm-hmm. get it. I did like when the one thing I did like with Cancer Boy was like, my parents are always so low, <laughs> so depressed. Well, because you have cancer? No, not just that, but because my little brother was born with his heart on the outside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. What's funny is that you hate the voice, but you're doing it. <laughs> well, because I have to copy mm-hmm. it. <laughs> I just didn't. The voice was just stupid. It just didn't make sense. He's cancer. He's not like, dying of MS or something. I just didn't understand it. I think if you do that character now, I think you have to, you really have to hit home the satire part. You're doing it, which, you know what I mean? You, you need to hit home with what, what you're trying to say. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, maybe they, they didn't do a fantastic job of really nailing that point home. Right. Cause I didn't get what they were going with, with that. Like, obviously I can read it now and go, all right. But yeah, they they should have gone a little harder on the exploitation of the, the celebrity it, should, thing. Yeah, there probably should have been more stuff with uh, the Dave Foley character that's the assistant and kind of like, or, you know, or, or like Cancer Boy has a publicist and the publicist is like, okay, we're going on to like something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that would have like, yeah. then I would have understood why he was in that. Right, right. That, I, 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 so to that point, that's probably a better 
better way to highlight that. And maybe they, they had that originally written, but you know, but see, here's the thing. And, and not that I want to go down this, I want comedy to take those chances and get it wrong. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want, I don't want it to be censored before it even comes out there. You oh, know, sure. Cause then you're, because then you're just going to get homogenized unfunny stuff. I get that. You know, I just didn't think answer boy was funny, but if they did pump it up a little bit more, he would have been funny. Mm-hmm. But I think for the joke that I don't think landed to, for them to just cut it and get a wider release. I mean, just, just cut the cancer boy stuff. It's like two minutes of your movie. So, so just putting that aside, you know, the fact that an executive decides to tank one of their own products from personal, just because he was offended. It's like, how is that okay for somebody in Paramount? You know what I mean? Like, if I, if you're the head of, if you're a studio chief and an executive is like, I'm taking this film because I, I don't agree with what, you know, I don't agree with what they're doing here. It's like, well then how about we just take you off this project and we'll put somebody else on. You know what I mean? Like, I guess it depends on how high ranking they were, but it's just, that's kind of like, like, like I'd like to know whatever, I mean, we'll never know, but that Paramount <laughs> executive, I'd like to know what happened to their career. They're moving on. Probably fine. The movie made no money. So they were probably like, that, see, it was going to be a bomb see, if I made it bigger. But that's like, he just sunk to that level and he just, he got, he, you know, what he did. It's, it, it, I don't know. It's just bad. It's just bad business. Don't, I, I don't run afoul I, of the rich, Mike. <laughs> I don't care. Listen, <laughs> I get why people wouldn't like Cancer Boy and that maybe, or maybe anything else in the movie that, that was offended to them. But you know, that's what the, that's what the, the freedom of speech is all about. And yeah, that's when, you know, that's when you put it out there and you just, it, it, if people don't like it, it won't do well. You know I mean, what I mean? There's that, but like if one of your kids is dying of cancer and you're like, Hey, listen it. guys, no, and you're I, like nice about it. And like, I, totally I really like get you it. to take it. And they're like, no fucking way, man. Fuck you. Listen, I get it. I understand. I totally get it, but I, 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 let me put, I get both sides. I get right. both sides of the argument. So, uh, you know, I don't know what I would do in that situation. I'd like to think that I would, you know, maybe just remove myself from that situation and be like, I can't, you know, just go ahead and do that. Like you said, it depends. Like we aren't there. We don't know like yeah. exactly what went down. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that they actually performed a live reading of the film screenplay at the Toronto sketch comedy festival. I think in early two thousands, maybe Maybe late two thousands. I'm not sure. I would have loved to have seen really? that. I would have loved to have just sit there and seen that. I actually saw Kids in the Hall in like like live. Oh, did uh, you? Yeah, they were at um. What's the name of the st- the place in Connecticut? Toads? No, 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 no. They were up up by Wallingford, Oakdale. Or, mm-hmm. So I saw them at Oakdale um, and they were great. It was hilarious. They were doing like, they did like some sketches from the show, but then they did some new stuff and, and, and stuff like that. And that's, this was a long time ago. I think I, I think I went with Jody, um, but yeah, no, they were funny. I really, that's they, awesome. If, yeah. If they ever come around, you should check them out. They're really good in, 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 uh, in, in a live. I want to say in concert, but I mean, technically <laughs> that's not a concert, but you know, in, in a live performance, they're really good. Yeah. I think I was, they came to either Hofstra where I went to school or Delphi where at least went to school. And we applied for the lottery to get tickets one year and we didn't get in. Mm-hmm. And I was always kind of bummed because I wanted to see him. <laughs> so Siskel and Ebert fought, the, fought over this movie. <gasps> so on there, if you ever find their episode where they, they review this film, they actually have, they argue back and forth, but I'm going to give you the both quotes. So Siskel called this Siskel who liked it, called this movie audacious, clever, 
and very funny. And he predicted the movie would become a cult classic, which I kind of think it a little it is. But I think it is kids a little in bit. the cult. Kids in the hall are a cult classic. I think. Yeah, yeah, that, that brand. Uh, but Ebert claimed he didn't laugh once and found the movie. Awful, terrible, dreadful, stupid, idiotic, unfunny, labored, forced, painful, bad. <laughs> that was the quote. Uh, that's <laughs> awesome. And Ebert's like some terrible things before. Yeah, I know. It's like you wrote Valley of the Dolls, uh, 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 Ebert. It's like, mm, come on. <laughs> Rest in peace. Uh, Janet Maslin called it nothing more than a sloppy showcase for the group's costume changing tricks. Janet Maslin doesn't like anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was kind of a showcase for their costume change. Yeah, but it's like, that's the thing. That's the thing. Going into that movie, if you don't know anything about Kids in the Hall, you're probably not going to, it's not going to hit as much with you maybe as somebody who is a huge fan of Kids in the Hall. Well, yeah, I think that's why Siskel's saying it's destined to become a cult classic. You really have to like Kids in the Hall. You can't go into it not knowing Mm -hmm. what Kids in the Hall is. That's like going into Stella not knowing anything about, uh, or not Stella. um, What Hot American Summer? Oh, yeah, that's that too. I was thinking the other one we did for the show. Oh, the Baxter? The well, Baxter. The what Hot American Summer was their first movie. So What Hot American it, Summer, uh, though, has a lot, some just regular laugh. Sure. Like the, uh, the Baxter is a little bit more subtle in that kind of weird weirdness. But this movie, again, because it's following a through line, if you haven't already watched Kids in the Hall and their sketches, it's going to be kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, come on. Come on, Ebert. It's funny. It's funny. You didn't laugh once. You didn't laugh once. You know what? It's what's interesting is that I have, I have heard that quote from him before where he had, doesn't like a film and he's like, I didn't even laugh once. Like I remember him saying that vividly in some stuff. And it's just like that. That's almost like his like go-to phrase <laughs> for, <laughs> for when he doesn't like a comedy. I mean, that was my phrase for when we did uh with the Tom Selleck movie. Oh, <laughs> folks, folks, folks. I think I believe my review is not once did I laugh, not once did I chuckle. <laughs> um, so what are the quotes you got for me? Oh man. Uh, so, I mean, I knew it was coming, but I still thought it was great at the very beginning when they go to the psychiatrist's office and that guy speaking German and lamenting his life to <laughs> psychiatrist. I'm like, the psychiatrist is going to be speaking, doesn't know a word he's saying. And he of course goes, I'm sorry. I don't understand a word you're saying. I don't speak. <laughs> and even though I knew the punchline was coming, I still loved it. <laughs> I, I, I do. I like Dave Foley quite a bit out of, out of most of them. Um, I think his delivery is really good. So, you know, so, I mean, I love news radio. So a lot of, I could see a lot of, uh, you know, that character from news radio and a lot of the stuff. So yeah, no, that, that's a, that's a good delivery of that. Right. Line. Yeah. 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 Um, and then the line that I think I laughed the hardest at was probably when Don's trying to convince Chris why they should release Gleamanex to everybody over the counter. And he goes, we got to release them to like ghetto children. <laughs> I hear their lives are horrible. Don't you want ghetto children to be happy? That's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's awful. It's hilarious. Well, I liked when the cops are in the car and he's like, did you see that Nina Bedford show this morning? Yeah. That uh, thing about toast fucking. Toast fucking. <laughs> yeah. yeah toast fucks you. Yeah. You fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that was funny. <laughs> Maybe that was a dream good. I had. <laughs> <laughs> I also like, uh, do you want, do you want some money? Do you want, you want, you want some wine? No, no, I'm good. You want to, you want to plane to Milwaukee? <laughs> I, I offer these things. 
but they'll be yours anyway. Do you understand? <laughs> no, not at all, sir. Just to say, so you know, sometimes where my humor is when uh, Cooper has the flashback to his father who suffered from depression oh, and the father goes to kill himself. And he's like, two hours later, he hit a vital he organ hit and died. It's like, I just was like, oh my God. Ow. Did you? Did you clean the gun? What about the gun? Did you give the gun a good cleaning? I'm just like, geez. <laughs> he walks up the steps and the briefcase just opens and he's just dragging the papers all the way up the steps. Yeah. I thought that was really good. <laughs> or at the end when he's making his, Chris is making his big speech on how you, you can't be, sometimes you have to be not happy. Mm-hmm. Well, when you wear a yellow hat and it just doesn't look good on you and the reporter oh, with the yellow hat's right there. Yes. She's like... Yes. crying that's like uh that that line that scene and the scene where they go into the event in the beginning and the old couple have the tickets and the guy's like get out of here oh, like this is a fake, fake. ticket yeah <laughs> those, those two scenes remind me of those airplane the airplane films and the naked gun films like that humor reminds me of oh, that for sure yeah yeah beat it then he tells the old <laughs> couple to beat it um i i i love the uh i love when they're trying to get the new drugs and he's like and they're 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 talking to all the people that are developing the drugs, and they're like, hey, "What are you working on?" He's like, "Well, it's so, sort of like stummies." Okay, go on. Go on. It's exactly like stummies, <laughs> and he's just like, and he's and that's okay. He's like, as long as there's no flipper babies, right, Don? <laughs> he's like, "Well, it was only a couple. It was just, there are some flipper babies. <laughs> flipper babies. It was only a couple yeah. of flipper babies." So that that was that was funny. What are you working on? Oh, what was it? What was the other guy? Oh, a thing it's a pill that gives worms ex-girlfriends. Wait, I'm confused. It's a pill that gives worms to your ex-girlfriends. Does it also give them to ex-boyfriends? It's a pill that gives worms. You just don't get it here. Hi, Chris. Sit down. Have a stummies. How's your family? Well, I, I don't have a family per se. And they have the bowls of stummies. Well, stummies are basically like or antacids. They gotta, yeah, um, they gotta be like pums. The bowls of stummies all over the place in, in the in the boardroom. <laughs> Not only the boardroom, in the hallways, they're just yeah. jars instead of like where like flower pots would be. <laughs> How did the meeting with the board of directors go? Well, they think we're losing. They think we're hemorrhaging money. <laughs> Which, I mean, we are. <laughs> How's the restructuring going? You mean the restructuring that you literally just told me about right now? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's going great. It's like that, that, that moment is like, it's like, um, uh, like a very familiar for me now after working uh, at a, in a corporate situation for like six, seven months. Like I've had that, like, you know, like <laughs> something will come up in a meeting and then I'll, somebody asked me about it a week later and we're just like, we didn't. Okay. We didn't say we're doing that, but I know I'm on it. I'm on it. You know, but I, got uh, it. It's done. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Brendan Fraser stuff when he's like, I'm in the placebo group. He's like, it's been two I gained eight pounds. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> it's sugar, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. We can't say <laughs> he's got the pimples all over his face. <laughs> I also like when nine, four, seven or whatever the, I can't remember what the lady's name is. The old lady, when she's on the gyro thing and she's spinning around. I'm a little dizzy. Woo, a little busy. Really, I'm happy. A little, little dizzy, though. Yeah. yeah. yeah no. <laughs> she keeps saying it. They just ignore her. They keep going again. <laughs> and the cats, the cats on the ceiling were the mm-hmm. weirdest thing. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> he just one falls on his head and then he looks up and they're all upside down and he leaves the room and and I don't know if you've, I used to, I say this all the time and I don't know if you remember, I used to say it at the theater quite a bit, but the whole line when he's like, smile, it's free. I used to say that all the time. I still do. Oh, you uh, do say that. Yep. Yeah. You say I, it to your kids all the time. No, no. Smile. It's free. <laughs> like, shut up, dad. I'm like, yeah. But I always love that line. I always love that line. And especially because they, he says it, they say it in the beginning, but then he says it in the music video that they do. Yep. Uh, and it always makes me, it always made me laugh. I'm like, oh, nice. Smile, it's free. <laughs> I love those scenes. Like, you know it's coming that he's going to turn into this happy guy. Oh, sure. Sure. You know what I'd say? Fuck happiness. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm on? No, not heroin. Not cocaine. No, no. Hashish. Not hashish. Not hashish. <laughs> not horse tranquil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now I'm going to do my solo. All right, I came up with a new song in the park. You can see acoustic guitar and he's all like mm-hmm. 70s out at the music videos. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the song that, and then that song blends into the music video that they do. Right. Yeah. Jump it into that big uh, double dare looking pie. Oh yeah. I, that's totally Nick. That was one of my notes is that's a super Nickelodeon pie. Mm-hmm. I thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. That all, there's an alternate title for this film called the, the drug, which I did like. That's too harsh. Brain candy is better. Yeah. I, Especially since the initial pill is very much like um, the everlasting gobstopper from Willy Wonka. All right. Right. The uh, blue. Yeah. The blue crunchy looking one. Right. Right. The, the actual, uh, if you ever catch it, the actual clinical name of the drug is Durofluorixa minimum 602. <laughs> I, did, I did not catch that. Yeah. 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 So Durofluorixa minimum 602. Yeah. Duroflux. Yeah. I'd say that 18 times fast. Go right ahead. <laughs> did you notice that all the happy memories are tinted orange and all the sad memories, which is just basically one is tinted blue. Or two, there's two sad memories are tinted blue. Uh, I didn't really notice that. Yeah. I noticed that it was tinted orange, but I didn't put two and two together. Because right, the pill is blue initially, so I didn't really kind of put right, it together. Right, no. And I think that, honestly, it's probably a little bit more, I don't know if there's a tint, but it's just, it's lit warm and the other one's lit cool. So that's probably right. where they're saying the tinted from. But I think that note is, somebody notices that, but I think it's more about the shading and the tinting of the, or how, how it's shot, how the lighting is shot. Sorry, mom. I would have gotten here earlier, but, uh, you know, kids hate old people. I know. (laughs) know. So would you, I mean, I I think I know why we're, why we're saying it's forgotten, but I guess let's voice that. Um, why would you say it's forgotten? It's super niche. Uh, and I think it would have been funnier if it was a little bit more sketch showy. That being said, I've just gone over all the lines I like. So, I mean, it's hilarious. It's a great movie. It is funny. But uh, it needs, even if it was wide released, I think it would still be the same way today. I think that you really need to be a Kids in the Hall fan. And I also think that the fact that you can't get this anywhere. I had to watch this on YouTube. God bless that person that put it up and risked getting demonetized. But yeah, it's a Paramount movie. You can't get it on Paramount+. Plus. Amazon seemed to have owned all the other kids in the hall stuff since they bought the reboot, but yeah, you can't find it there. I think that that hurts it. It's again, another nineties, mid nineties movie that just kind of goes Mm. into, into nothingness and you can't find it. Um, which I think is a shame, especially since kids in the hall, I feel like for people that are probably like 35 to, you know, however old from the early nineties we're fans of and watched. I think it's, it's definitely reached that cult status. 
Um, and I hope that with the Amazon show going, if they do a second season and get more promotion, people might, and they pr- release brain candy, people might go back to it and watch it. Cause kids in the hall is a really funny group. Yeah. I could see this on a, uh, like on a criterion block well, on the criterion channel when they do their, uh, block of, of movies like nineties comedies or nineties forgotten comedies. I think a lot of, I think people when think of the nineties, I think that a lot of people think of nineties horror or nineties action, but like nineties comedy. I mean, you don't really ever hear like a lot about that. I mean, not saying that there was a lot that was fantastic, but there actually was a lot of stuff that was funny in the nineties. So, I mean, I think that it definitely is a movie that has cult status. And I think that it's probably more forgotten in terms of the general audience. But again, if you don't, know of kids in the hall or you don't you that's not your style of humor it might not really hit with you so i think maybe that's why it doesn't uh doesn't translate it's not one of those films that you watch and you recommend to people because you know it's it's really just your taste kids right. in the, hall, the comedy that they're doing is is my taste uh so you know that's why i was into it um i don't know if it would translate well for a younger crowd Probably not. And I don't think that's because of any kind of inappropriateness. I just think because it's not, it's not what you see now out there. It's not like a lot of the, like, I think we've had this discussion. I don't know if it's on this podcast or another where the Apatow style of comedy, the cynical self-referential style of comedy, talking about what's happening while it's happening style of comedy has really overtaken a lot of what you see now in terms of the genre. Mm-hmm. And to, I mean, some of it's funny, some of it's lazy and some of it doesn't hit a well. Um, and they're not really, st- <laughs> it's not really saying anything like at least with kids in the hall, they're, they're saying something with a lot of the comedy, even like, even in the skit shows and, you know, the whole thing where, you know, the, he's the, the husband doesn't realize he's gay and uh, in the movie. And then, you know, that and that they do the whole song where he's like, I'm gay, I'm gay. And then everyone's mm-hmm. like, who cares? It's like, you know what I mean? They're, they're, that's saying something. So right. I, I think that uh, I, I, I just think that that type of comedy really isn't in vogue right now. So I don't think you can, it really connects with the crowd, younger crowd right now. Mm-hmm. And I know we always get shit for, not that we always don't get shit, but sometimes <laughs> we'll get shit for when we say it's forgotten because, you know, a younger crowd you know, a younger audience hasn't seen it yet. It's like this movie's almost 30 years old. Yeah. You know, get, get with it. People We're old. <laughs> so people you know, haven't seen it. Yeah. So I think that's, 1996 was like five years ago. I don't know right. what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Um, but I definitely recommend it. I, I definitely, I would rec- you know what I would, I recommend the show first. If people yeah. like the show, then I'll like watch the movie, but I would definitely recommend the show first to people that are looking for something to laugh at, I guess. I would agree. All right. Where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenEntertainment.com or ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. ForgottenEntertainment.com. We are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. There's a whole bunch of other great podcasts and videos and stuff like that for you guys to enjoy. You can also find us wherever you get podcasts. You're listening to us right now somewhere. So why don't you go ahead and like, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff that helps us grow. And uh, let us know if you've seen Brain Candy or if you like Kids in the Hall in the lobby on Facebook. Uh, Forgotten Cinema's lobby. It's where we can kind of talk to you guys about movies and all that kind of good stuff. Yep. And then next week uh, we return. We're actually... Uh, going to 1943 uh, in the movie, not in real, not, uh, not when the movie was made. It was made in 2001. 
Is that right? 2001? We're going to be believe so. We're going to be doing Enemy at the Gates. Starring Joseph Fiennes and Jude Law and Rachel Weisz and Eddie that Harris. Is. So uh, that's what we're going to be doing. A little, some, a little a war movie action next week. That is Enemy at the Gates. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Uh, I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema.